0: Welcome to the podcast of The Urban Mystic. This is season two where we meet with fellow deconstructors, fellow journeymen and journeywomen to hear the story of their first experience of God calling to ministry, deconstruction and present journey.
1: You know, every, every day as I'm engaging with the tribe, I have this picture in the back of my mind. A lot of the time I'm asking the question of, you know, what do I need to do to take us just another small step in the direction?
0: Of, of that picture so I'm I, I'm interested to know what the what the reception has been I I know that the process of leaving for for many people is a painful process especially if you if you've led a community you or you've been significantly integrated into a community how how are you doing how are you responding to the process that you've been through personally and how have you found your your ministry peers responding do they understand and encourage you is it a break in relationship are you seen as the judas and the betrayer you know where, where are you at in this you know it's it, it, it's i don't i don't quite have the words to uh, to go with it it's quite a transformation that you need to be going through individually and at the same time your whole life and your whole relational network has changed
1: yeah i mean it's been interesting for me i've i Part of the reason for for my decision, I I had a number of options available to me, but I I chose to resign from ministry. And one of the reasons was if I'm setting up a community for people who have left the church, it feels like a bit of a bait and switch if the person running that community is is still a a clergy person in the church. You know, I could imagine people being kind of coming in and going, okay, so when's the point where he starts pushing me to go back to church, you know? so i really i really wanted to avoid that having said that i did get invited by a friend and colleague of mine in the methodist church to take up a part-time job with his community as as music director so i kind of still have you know a couple of toes in in traditional institutional church and and that's been a very good experience me. it's been quite a healing experience and and it's been a wonderful community to be part of and they've been appreciative, because of the work I've been doing for so long about doing community online, they've actually leaned quite heavily on me to get their services online. and and so i've I've played quite a big role in navigating that. And they haven't really moved very far away from what they do offline. It is largely a a kind of mirroring of what they would be doing offline that they put online. but I, I have added in a few elements that they've been very open to experiment with that, kind of give people something to do and, and makes it, hopefully makes the whole experience a little more interactive. It's been interesting for me to test some of my ideas in a traditional church environment online, even while I'm developing them in a, in a kind of non-church environment uh, in Evo Faith. So that, that's been very healing and great. A lot of the colleagues that I was, I was friends with and, and close to, those friendships have remained and we still check in with each other and, and you know, there's, there's, there's no hard feeling. One or two of them are even part of the tribe, which is which has been great. And by and large, I think for the rest of my colleagues in the denomination, you know, ministers come and go. I think I think it's largely indifference. And I don't mean that in any negative way. I just mean, you know, that they're not paying me any more attention than they probably would have when I was still in the Methodist ministry. They just don't see me at Synod anymore, that kind of thing. So I don't... I, I haven't certainly had any sense of of judgment on what I'm doing, but of course, if that was happening, I probably wouldn't hear it anyway. But I, I mean, I think I think to be honest, I have responded largely with indifference as well, because for me, th- there was a need to move away and to to create some distance, uh, particularly with the kind of official church structures. And and look, I mean, I was burnt out when I left. I, you know, I, I make no. I'm you know, not hiding that, and 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 was in a fairly uh, broken space. My last few, few years of ministry being quite traumatic for me, and and for my wife. So you know, it's been a it's been a a healing journey that that isn't over yet. But I, you know, I think in some ways I'm in a better place than I've been in, in a long time part of what I love about the Evo faith community is this for me personally, there's a tremendous level of creativity involved in what's happening. I love the fact that in the community, I don't have, I never have to censor myself. So, you know, when I, when I was in a church, I was very aware that, you know, I would never preach something I didn't believe in, but some, some of the stuff I did believe in, I wouldn't preach, if that makes sense. You know, and, 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 and when I was pushing the boundaries, I had to be very careful about how I, how I used my words. And, and in spite of that, I would get pushback. I got emails from congregation members questioning whether I was even a Christian. You know, I, 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 you know it, it, was a, it was a tough journey. And now I don't, I don't have that. You know, there's not the sense of, of you know, what I'm writing on the Eva Faith blog is stuff that I I would never be able to put out there. Some of the stuff I've I've put in the in the spiritual practice videos that go out every Sunday in the Eva Faith tribe, uh, and you can only access those videos if you're part of the tribe at this stage. You know, the, that stuff I would never have been able to preach from a church pulpit, and yet, yet I've been able to comfortably express there. And it's been interesting. I, I, I know uh, we ran a survey in the tribe fairly recently, and we're still getting the odd response to it now, but... Uh, I know of at least one person in the tribe who has felt that I've moved too far away from a kind of personal view of God for them. And they have found me working more with a kind of impersonal view, which which they they haven't liked. But generally, you know, for me, even, even though people may experience God, understand God differently, even though people may still be part of the church and find it very helpful, there's this kind of openness in, in, in the tribe to, to being different. And 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 not just to a diversity in terms of race or gender or sexuality or you know the normal things that we think about in terms of diversity, but there's a cognitive diversity. There's a diversity in thinking that that is accepted and and celebrated in the tribe. And that for me was one of the big values I was hoping would would remain in the tribe. And it's and and the the tribe members seem to be. Uh, maintaining that value and, and for me I've I've had a number of tribe members express appreciation for that value. Uh and, and so they found it very helpful.
0: Uh, I think it I think it's interesting in some ways that you you're getting to work some of your ideas out in parallel and that's got to feed into each other in a bit because on one hand you you you're helping a community transition to online, which is which is just a transition in presentation. So people aren't there geographically, but they're still fundamentally doing the same thing. And that's gonna that's gonna help you in some ways carve out your sense of going, hang on, you know, I actually wanna do genuine community. So so in some senses that's a it's it's it it seems like a wonderful space and, and especially, you know, um, you know, I I'm sure and by the time comes soon that the demands of evil faith are such that you can't you can't split your attention you know that's you know may, may you certainly end up with that kind of growth soon i think
1: <laughs> yeah thank you i hope so i mean one of the, one of the challenges for me that, that the the pandemic has brought is that you know the original model for evo faith was was that it was going to be a subscription community and the, the, there, there were there were two reasons for that in my thinking the one was if there's a barrier to entry like a payment it makes it a safer community you know you' you're not you're not going to get people come in to be you know trolls in the community if if they have to pay for them. yeah, so that that's 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 been the one side of it. The other side of it for me has been that i i I'm tired of being in a church where we're always asking for money. you know however legitimate that might be, it's it's always you know there's this project happening, there's this event, there's this, please pay, please pay, please play. I wanted to have a thing where it was like this is all you're going to get asked for. You pay your monthly subscription and that's it. Every other bit of charitable giving you might want to give must go directly to a charity. It's not going to come into EvoFaith and uh, and and the subscription fee would be less than you would normally pay for the kind of people who have access to a tribe like EvoFaith. What I would assume they would be able to manage as a tithe, we're way below that. So. The, the subscription is not in place yet. Um, when COVID hit, as I said to, to the people who were connected with Evo Faith, it would stay open and free at least until kind of lockdowns and things are starting to open up and loosen up. And, and certainly for the first six months, it was going to stay free. Now we're very close to that six-month mark. So I'm really starting to say, now what do we do in terms of payment? And I'm beginning to research. That was one of the questions I asked in the survey. But I'm also speaking to other people around us and going, hey, you know, what do you think is the wisest model to use? And be what would be a, a reasonable market-related, if we do go with a subscription, market-related fee for that. Failing a subscription, the other option in my mind is to run it through Patreon in some way and set up some sort of Patreon model. So that, that's, that's kind of part of the conversation I've, I've been having with the tribe through the survey and part of the conversation I'm having with myself and researching around, uh, you know, look, we're not completely out of things like lockdown and stuff yet, so it's not going to be put in place in the near future. But I would like to start mentioning that to the tribe fairly soon and, and kind of letting people know, because I am aware that there probably will be those who will leave the tribe if there's a if there's a fee attached. A, because some of them won't be able to afford it, uh, and B, because um, some just may, may not feel that there's enough... Value there for them to, to pay for it. And obviously, with all of these things, for me, I wouldn't want the payment to be a complete barrier to entry. So, if somebody is sincere and they genuinely want to be there, we'd probably give them an option where they can still be part of the tribe without necessarily paying the subscription fee or whatever. So, that, that's one of the difficulties that we're working out. And talking about your thing of growth and me doing it full time, you know, I mean, that, that, there has to be some way that I can generate an income from it for it to become something that I do full time
2: without spamming people with advertisements, I imagine as well. well.
1: Well, exactly. You know, and, and, and that's, that's part of the concern. Look, I mean, I think there is a place for, for the, for things to be productized for there to be courses, books, whatever, that you can say to people, Hey, you know, this is available for sale. But part, part of what I would love to be able to do is say to people, look, if you're in the tribe and if you're paying your subscription fee, all of that's free you. you know, that's, that's part of the package you're only going to pay for that if you're not already paying to be part of the tribe. So, you know, and, and, that's part of the reason why, you know, somebody was saying to me the other day that they've noticed that I'm posting a lot of written stuff on social media and they are saying, well, why aren't you doing video stuff? And i said, well, I actually am doing video stuff, but it's exclusively for people who are part of my tribe. Uh, that's one of the, the benefits you get from the, well, I hope people see it as benefit. That's one of the, the, the things that I hope is a value added offering that would that that people would feel gives them value to be part of the tribe and commit to that community.
2: I've been percolating this question of mine, and I and I think I want to try it, <laughs> but I'm going to discover some ground before I be waiting in suspense. Bring it, bring it, bring become... <laughs> it, Steve. Bring it. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, the the first thing that just sort of gave me a little bit of caution is that I don't want it to sound like criticism. Number one. Number two. I'm slightly concerned that I might have missed something. (laughs) And so I'm asking you to recover ground that you've already covered. And so with kind of those two provisos out there, that if you feel that you've already covered the ground, then feel free to say so. And then the third thing is just, you know, so part of the reason I asked the question earlier in terms of your, your sort of staged deconstruction as I was seeing it, the word of faith movement back into Methodism, you know, and I see these progressions as you're talking through your life story. For me, I have a hope, and, and it might be a slight sort of vain hope, but I have a hope that anybody who stumbles across this podcast at any level of their deconstruction would be able to find a handle to grab hold of. And, and that for me is really important in terms of uh, what I see you know, Tim and I are trying to do in these conversations and then the interviews, etc. is that, you know, we interviewed someone last week and they said it and I've heard it from so many people. You get this sort of, I thought I was the only one. Um, and so that sort of stage deconstruction, I think is helpful because, you know, someone who's just coming out of a very fundamentalist into a slightly more progressive, but still very, overtly Christian space will find something to perhaps the atheist who believes that religion is dead and science is the new God to whatever, anything, anything between. And so my question kind of arises from that, um, is if you had to speak to the listener and help them understand, what do you see are the distinct differences between kind of institutional religion, you know, and we're talking very much within kind of Christian church and the alternative that you're trying to offer. And I think the reason I'm asking this is because my wife and I were talking this morning about people who'd moved church from a very hurt space. And it seems as though it's a couple that we know, and it seems that they've established themselves very quickly in a new church space. And this question of sort of, you know, this relational question of maybe I should just be single for a while before I date again, <laughs> kind, of, kind of comes up, you know? And there's this sense of you actually have to move through some process and some healing, etc. And then what you can do after that is you can see the new space with, with somewhat some new eyes, you know? And so people who are sort of sitting within the establishment might look across at Evo Faith and go, but that's just church. There's no difference to what we're doing. It's absolutely the same. They're just doing it online. We're meeting in a building, you know, it's all the same sort of stuff. How would you help people who are deconstructing and looking at the institutional church and going, it's just, it doesn't fit. It's not right. We've got lots of questions, you know, and so it's quite multifaceted and that's why I've battled in to put the question together. How do you help them in terms of, what handles would you give them in the alternative? What do you see are the distinct differences? And so that's why I say it's, I'm not looking for apologetics so much. I think it's just through your experience into this into this fresh space, into this alternative. How would you help a person asking questions, leaving, has already left, is looking, whatever, to access that space?
1: Yeah, no, that, do, that does make sense. And I, I'm actually really, really, really glad you you asked the question because I think... Yeah, I think that question has been at the forefront of my mind from the beginning of lockdown, which, you know, obviously for us in South Africa was March. Um, so it's it's been, it's been quite a while. And, and, you know, that was part of the reason why I was, I'm, I was starting to question my business model kind of behind the EvoFaith thing. And I, I used the word business model a little, you know, loosely there, I guess. But um, but the, the question for me is being exactly that. Now everybody's online, everybody's doing it. So what makes Evo Faith different? You know why, why why should we pay to be part of Evo Faith, for example, when I can watch any church I want to online and be part of it there? So you know my sense is if if you were going to go into Evo Faith now, you 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 could be forgiven for going well this doesn't feel hugely different for me, but. I would say that the one thing you do have now that you wouldn't get in any established church is the opportunity to help shape and form something that is new and and that doesn't have already an established structure and an established set of laws and rules that determine how this has to happen. And and one of the things that I'm 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 quite interested by in in the Eva Faith tribe and it's particularly from the members who have been part of churches or are still part of churches. Is, is the amount that I have to give permission, you know, and, and for me, that's, it's, 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 a, it's, it's both amusing. And I guess on, on one level, a little frustrating because part of part of the whole community for me is that this is a self-organizing thing. I, I'm not setting myself up as the pastor of Eva Faith. heaven forbid. I'm the worst pastor of the Methodist church ever saw. So, you know, I, I I really do not want to be responsible for people's headaches or or hassles or, you know, I'm not a counselor. I don't want to do counseling. If you have an issue, I'm going to refer you to go and find a psychologist, you know? Um, And that's one of the things that I think the church has done wrong is the church has tried to do everything. And, and, and so, you know, you try to do counseling. And when I hear what comes out of many Christian counseling sessions, it makes my hair stand on end. I'm going, guys, you know, the complexity of mental health issues we're dealing with in the world today, you're not trained for that in your in your seminary. You're not trained for that in your theological degree. And if you if you haven't been disciplined enough to build relationships with specialists who can pick up these issues, addiction issues, mental health issues, you know, whatever they might be, then 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 you you end up, I mean, I think the time is coming when when ministers could be subject to you know, malpractice suits because because they're counselling out of, their, out of their, their ability and their training. So, you know, for me, that kind of thing... So Eva Faith is not trying to do that kind of work. And, and it's certainly not about me. So I would hope that in time, the members will start to feel comfortable enough with each other that they'll start to express concern and care for each other. But the way you would with a friend. And, and, and I, I have a, a suspicion... That for most people of faith, the kind of counseling we need is the kind of counseling that can happen from some good, trusted friends. and 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 when we when we hit the major crisis issues, then we should be going to to a professional and we should be paying for their for their for their care. Uh, and so I wouldn't want Eva faith to fill that gap. Uh, so so you know that's the one thing, but but for me, just in terms of posting material, you know I'm not the pastor who's the gatekeeper for what happens in the tribe, you know. I might be the facilitator, I might be the founder, I might be at the moment, the guy who's generating most of the content. But I hope, A, that that's gonna change, that in time I will just be one contributor among many. And secondly, that people recognize that they really can say anything, as long as they're not trolling people and, and, and hurting people, uh, but anything that is that is that is consensual, that is respectful of one another, you can say anything in the tribe, um, and, 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 and if you want to post something, post it, you know, and, and I, I keep, that's my standard response. I mean, I keep having, you know, messages either on, on, on the app. One of the things that's great about the Evo Faith tribe is the platform we're using means there's a mobile app as well, so people can access it on their phones. Uh, so I get messages there, I get emails, I get whatever people say, you know, I was thinking I'd like to post this in the tribe, you know, can, can I do that? And I mean, so, yeah, go ahead the the last couple of weeks there've been a, a couple of things that have happened without my permission and I've cheered every time I've seen it, I've been yes that's marvelous you know that's a, that's a sign for me that there's a, a, a step being taken toward maturity churches don't operate like that in my experience I've never been in a church like that you know, it's, you've always got to everything, go to is, everything
0: is gated and, and, uh, you know, yeah, everything needs permission and, and checks and balances instead of, instead of actually having that vibrancy of life where, where there are ups and downs, there are, there are feelings, there are emotions, there are, you, you know, like, like the dynamics of life means that people share things and people don't necessarily need to even have answers to them, you know, but it's, it's that journeying together, it's the caring together, it's the, it's the listening and participating that's important. One of the things I like about what you're saying is that there was that, that that notion of of going I'm I'm holding out for community we're not there yet, and we're inviting people to be part of that as a journey and being part of that as a process of making that happen. I think I think that's that's quite exciting because because more often than not with these kind of things. We do want to have our ducks in the row rather than and we want to have things set up rather than taking the risk to go, I think I need to take the step and I don't know what it means. I have an idea of what I want to arrive at, but I don't necessarily know how to get there. And I know that if I control it, we can never get there. And so and so to take that risk of going, I'm not gonna control it, but but hopefully there's enough embers coming in for this thing to develop a life of its own and how to be a participant in the community where, where it's more of, a, more of a group of people that participates as opposed to having some form of, you know, pastor I think in many ways is just another word for cult leader in some situations. You know, it's the same, it's the same kind of thing. It's a pyramid scheme with one person on top and you can never have genuine community in a hierarchy ever.
1: Yeah. And so, you know, for me, the, there's not a board of elders, for example. You know, there's or in the Methodist Church we call them society stewards. There's no need for that. For me, everybody has an equal voice in the community, um, and I think I think one of the great things an, about like an online space is that it, no matter how big the tribe gets, and, and my thinking really is is small. You know, I'm I'll be I'll be over the moon if the tribe gets to 250 people and and if it never gets bigger than that i'll think hey that's awesome you know that would be marvelous for me and 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 i would hope that every one of those 250 would feel that they have a voice and that they have permission not to to have a voice if they choose not to you know i i that's one of the things you know i've had some of the tribes people say you know we're not seeing a lot of comments happening in the tribe at the moment and for me i'm like well that's okay if people are feeling either that their lives are happening and so they don't have time to be here or they just feel for whatever they you know, online community is famous for the fact that you'll have lots of what they call lurkers, you know, people who are just there and, and and they get real value out of it, but they just don't feel that they want to post comment, whatever. I, I don't ever want to judge that or make people feel guilty for that or feel like they can't just be there and, and, and draw out of it because even though they may not be com- contributing in inverted commas i do think their presence has value in the tribe and and that's and that's sufficient so you know and i think that's that's another thing you know i I don't want to lay you know all my years of church the constant need to kind of push people to you've got to get involved in this you know you're not worshiping enthusiastically enough why aren't you raising your hands why aren't you singing you know i i really don't want that for me it's like this is here. If you find it helpful, stick around as long as it's helpful for you. If you, you know, I mean, for me, when people left the church, when I was a pastor in a church, I mean, A, the kind of personal angst around that oh, my word, I have I failed, you know, as well as the, the kind of unspoken judgment from the people in the community do you know this person's left? What are you doing about getting them back? I mean, I, I literally remember sitting in leaders' meetings. With my leaders saying, "What's your strategy for getting back the people who've left the church?" and being shocked when I was when I said to them, "I don't have one because they've we know who they are and we know that most of them either are never going to come back to a church or they've gone to other churches and I'm not in the business of trying to steal people from other churches, you know they're happy where they are. I want to concentrate on those who might be looking for a church and we could be a good fit for them.
0: I got in so much trouble for that. That's always a fascinating window." Often commented on the institutional church. It needs people. People don't necessarily need the church. And, and together with that, there there is this unspoken entitlement to to basically go. You have become a Christian, therefore you have to be a part of this church. In the, in that sense, there's some form of ownership, some form of possession of people. And it is it it ends up being tremendously unhealthy because of course those people don't get a they don't get a play equally. They're supposed to be a member, and a member is not is not an equal member with the, with the staff and the eldership at all. And so there's the need for the members and then there's a the sense that we, we have these members and another church is stealing our members or they're taking our property is basically what it comes down to. And I've always found that language and that concept tremendously uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, so I mean, for me, and, and, and linked with that is this, this kind of unspoken right that, that we, we are allowed to shape what you believe. And you have to believe what we tell you to believe. And for me, this whole kind of we have to define what orthodoxy is, and then we have to impose orthodoxy on our people. And if people step outside of orthodoxy, well, then we have to discipline them or, or you know or, or, or exclude them.
0: Well, that's that 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 that's really I, I feel our, our Roman heritage speaking rather than our Christological uh, rather than our Christological heritage because because of course Rome's Rome's real genius in conquering people was to conquer them and then appoint their leaders as Rome's leaders, <laughs> you know, a, and that's precisely what 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 happened with Christianity except that it had a, Rome had to reconquer itself and its people within their borders, and they 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 just applied the same strategy and it worked. You know it, it worked tremendously well and it's working till today in that sense you know very yeah. much so
1: very much so and 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 so for me you know i'm finding a wonderful freedom in in saying to the tribe this is a this is a heterodox space you know we're not when it's striving for orthodoxy here you know i know of at least one person in the tribe who who, who is is much more earth-based than christian uh, in their thinking and theology, and and you know probably would be considered pagan in most in most Christian communities. And I, I celebrate the fact that this person is part of our community and and feels that they they're safe to be who they are and express who they are within that. You know, so for me that that heterodoxy, uh, I think, is tremendously life giving. So that 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 would make it different from from you know most churches. And I think. You know, what comes to mind for me is Brian McLaren once said that Christians have become sophisticated consumers of pre-packaged spiritual experiences. And 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 while I'm I'm aware that at the moment, like the videos, for example, that we create in Evo Faith may, may seem like that's what's happening. The intention behind them and the way they're structured and the way they work. There are lots of questions, there's there's lots of stuff happening in the video, which I would hope, and people can choose whether they want to or not, but I would hope people would interact with. So, you know, when the questions are asked, that they would pause the video, stop, think about the question, if they've got family or friends, or that they would then talk about those questions together, or, you know, chat with a friend about it online during the week or whatever. Uh, That, you know, when I'm lighting a candle on screen, the hope would be that people have, you know, we've prepared them, that they've got their candle there, that they light it as well that they're not just consuming it, but that they're participating in it. And again, I'm aware that it's not going to be helpful for everyone. But I mean, I know of one person in the tribe, for example, who with a series we did a little while back, he's a grandfather and he and his wife were babysitting their grandchildren during their lockdown. He's in the United States. And they took some of the exercise and they were doing them with the kids. And he was showing me some of the stuff the kids had done. And I was so excited by that because here they'd taken it, they'd adapted it, they'd used it with their kids, they'd been watching the videos together, and and the kids were so engaged in in part of the the, the practice that we were doing. They may not have understood what I did in the input section, but they, they, they were engaging in the spiritual practice, in the interactive parts of the video. I was so excited by that. You're not really gonna be able to find much of that happening in your average church. You know, the kids are sent off somewhere else and, and they do their own thing. And when they're in church, they've got to sit still and be quiet, kind of. And, and I, think, I think that's, that's the I, – I often hold that in mind, you know, Brian McLaren's comments of being pre, consumers of prepackaged experiences. I hold that alongside – I think one of the defining books in my life, and, and you know, I, I, I've, I've experienced some people criticizing quite strongly, but it's a book by a guy by the name of D. Hock. His first name is D-E-E, D. Hock. The name of the book is wonderful. It's called The Birth of the Chaotic Age. He's taken the word chaos in order and put them into one word. You know, you might be going, well, who's D. Hock? is the guy that started the, the Visa Corporation, the first, the first global credit card company. And he was the guy responsible for working out how to create a credit card system that would be a partnership between card carriers, the merchants who would use cards as a means of exchange, and the banks who would back up those cards with money in people's accounts. Now, the interesting thing about Visa is that nobody owns it. It's, it's not owned by anybody. Uh, or I don't know if it is now, but certainly when d was writing the book, it wasn't owned by anybody. And he took it from a startup to, a, I think it's $1.3 trillion a year company. And and, and and he tells the story of how Visa came into being, and the whole thing is self-organizing. All the way along. It's people get, get into rooms and they start brainstorming and, and they start just acting and doing stuff, not asking for permission. And people are moving from group to group as they as they feel they want to and as they can contribute. And and it's just this 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 chaos happening. And out of that comes comes some sort of structure and process. That then guides the birth of this global corporation, which has card carriers, local, you know, ordinary people, plus merchants, plus banks, all working in partnership with each other. It's a phenomenal book, you know, and, and and I keep thinking to myself that chaotic nature, no church will function on that basis. You'll never get an institutional religious organization to be chaotic, but I would I would hope that Evo faith. Would have some of that element, you know, and, and, and that some of that self organization, collaboration, people moving around freely, expressing their thoughts freely, that that will be the culture of what we're developing.
0: I think of what Christianity is as Catholicism and Protestantism as Christendom in translation for the modern world. So, what you're really referring to there is, is the transition more from the modern to the postmodern. And, and in that sense, the the question of what emerges afterwards, and and I guess in some sense, it's a question of of what is Christianity after Christianity, if Christianity is no longer the single Catholicism or the single Protestantism, Protestantism. Of course, both being broad banner terms, you know, the, it's not like either of those are singular or monolithic in in any way. But they but they're still interconnected, you know. And then if you if you think back, there's the recognition that that even with the with the Protestant reformation per se it didn't end catholicism and in fact there's more catholics afterwards than there were beforehand anyway in the same sense as this 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 uh emergence of of almost a chaotic uh post-catholic post-protestant post-christian in that sense if if people define christianity by them what comes afterwards is post-christian you know but it's post in the sense of having gone through post in the sense of having transformed post in the sense of of not being anti, but post in the sense of being after. You know, I, I, think, I think there's definitely room for something out. But, but in terms of the way institutions operate now, they don't have, I don't think they've got the flexibility for it. When you have a whole bunch of uneducated peasants and you gather them for the weekly sermon, and that weekly sermon is to teach them and to educate them and to get them on the same page, it's a very different area to a more democratized society like where we're at, where the average individual is incredibly well-educated per se. Even at the level of, of just having finished the standard eight or matriculated, you're far more educated than anyone was in the 1500s. This classic model of gathering people who share a geographic space, share a day off, and gathering them together for an activity that they share in that space at that time is really a product of a particular culture or a particular age. The, the internet and community online and that kind of stuff, the, the, all the signs are there that there's there's quite a foundational shift taking place. Now, now in a sense, it's not going to displace what, what what exists, it's going to coexist together with it. But but I, 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 I for one, have often left just thinking that there's not enough people thinking and experimenting in the space and there's not enough people taking the risk to get out because basically everyone has to take that risk (laughs) because because you don't do it with the backing of the institution you don't do it with the backing of the megachurches
1: i mean the irony for me was it was during holy week last last year so i was still pastor of a church and and the speaker for at our church for holy week was a a, a prominent leader in in our denomination and uh this person led the services on the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night of Holy Week. and on one of the one of the evenings, this person, as an illustration of what they were saying, mentioned that they'd been in a meeting with other leaders of the church, and the idea of of online church, online community had come up in their conversation, and they had all agreed together that such a thing was impossible. and And for me, there was a wonderful kind of internal moment of irony where,
0: like a bit of a chuckle
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah because i was sitting there going here you are saying it's impossible and i'm in the process of making it happen you know of actually creating that and for me the you know the kind of disconnect there between an institutional environment uh and uh and a movement that's that's not bound by those institutional blinkers uh was just it was just so stock and to go you know i mean i'm reminded of that old phrase that old saying you know those 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 who think something can't be done should get out of the way of of those who are doing it you know
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and and it kind of and 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 look i mean i don't want this to sound like i'm patting myself on the back because obviously at the moment it's still very much an experiment and it's not anywhere near what i kind of have in my mind as the as the fully formed thing although i doubt it'll ever be fully formed if it's going to be self-organizing but you know for me there is a there is a sense in which you know, it, it, there, there's a freedom for me in, 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 in Evo faith. There's a, you know, I, I'm not having to jump through those hoops. I'm not having to, you know, make sure that I'm doing everything right. I, you know, that I'm not, it, it for me, it's like, let's see what happens. This, who, whoever comes in, what do they bring? What are they, what are they looking for? How does this evolve? Uh, and that's part of the, the reason for the name Evo Faith is, is that the Evo part is around both an evolving community, but also an evolutionary community, a community that, 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 that brings faith and science together and doesn't see the two as opposed to each other, but is complementary and informing each other. And, uh, and that, that, that a faith that can't connect with what science is telling us, for me, is a meaningless faith. It just becomes completely irrelevant. And, and, and in that sense, I think you know you talk about Christianity and what comes after Christianity, and uh, you know I'm going well. Actually, I don't care anymore. You know I, I'm I, I've I've given up the, this need to preserve a religion, or to preserve a church, or 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 or, or help it survive. You know, and, and I think that was part of my frustration is that all the energy in in, in the church for me has become about maintaining the church, protecting the church, keeping the church alive. And I keep thinking of Jesus's words, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. Um, and I watch the church losing its life because it's so desperately trying to cling to its life. And I, I I, wish I could grab leaders in churches and say, you've got to let go. Let go of your life. You know, lay yourself down for people and you'll discover that your life is there. And And for me, there's a and I'm not sure that we're necessarily doing that in Evo Faith, but for me, there's a freedom where I, you know, I don't have any need to to sustain Evo Faith, to make it survive, to 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 maintain it. To you know, for me, Evo Faith exists for as long as it's helpful for people. You know, if if tomorrow I got sixty emails from people saying, you know, what this was a great experiment, it was fun for me, but I'm out because it's no longer helpful. I'd go, okay, cool. I've learned a lot. Uh, where do we go now? But, I, you know, and, and yes, okay, maybe there'd be a part of me that would grieve it because my heart's in it. But I, I certainly would not suddenly go, oh, my word, now I have to try and keep this thing alive. Uh, I, I'd be okay. It served its purpose. We've all learned something out of it. Let's move on to what's next.
0: You've almost got the freedom to say and do and put out stuff that in the, in the past you would have been criticized or raked over the coals for. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing what you said. In the sandbox of the world that we live in and the tapestry of people's lives there's 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 a lot of stuff that is off limits in classic religious institutions and and places and so there's there's very real conversations that that cannot be had but need to be had and then there's very real processes that people go through that are best done in community but people do it in isolation and that creates a dysfunction and so in a sense many communities end up being pseudo-communities where there's a there's a dysfunction bred in that you need to believe and behave in order to belong and what doesn't fit that mold you're on your own with. The community is not being honest because it's not actually being present to people and it's saying you can only show up if you fit in. And, and I, I would like to think that that whatever communities people are forming, such as yourself, are best done where, where those filters can be taken off uh, understandably, so long as people are real and they're present and they're genuinely engaging, as opposed to trolling, you know, et cetera, et cetera, any number of pathological outlier behaviours. So I mean, let's 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 put the outliers in the box that they need to go to, you know, to to get the assistance that they that they need. But they form the periphery around quite a large space and quite a large number of topics that can be processed. And, and, and I think I think one of the frustrations when engaging with churches is is there's all the language about authenticity and community and accountability and a whole bunch of stuff. But if you think about it, communities that stress accountability have a very low trust environments. Low trust environments aren't growing environments and they're not safe environments. One of the things I've loved about the online communities that I've, I've been a part of in, in recent years is that all those genuine things are there, but people don't talk about them and
1: yeah, you know, and I, I love I, I love that I don't have to hold anybody accountable. You know, I, I don't have to chase anybody, I don't have to follow up with them. So my focus is on on trying to connect with people as and when I can. And as, as they open themselves up for, for a, a bit of a deeper engagement. You know, and 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 there's no, I mean for me, one of the great things, you know, as a, a you know, having been through the pastoral experience is is I'm not carrying this weight of guilt. Oh, flip, I haven't seen enough people. I haven't communicated enough. I haven't, you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm very aware in the faith that I'm, I'm having to bat that guilt away often. And I'm having to go, hang on, that's all paradigm thinking, you know. And that's not to say that I don't care about the people that are there. You know, where I can, I'm, I'm trying to engage, and I think I maybe could engage a bit more, and I'm wanting to start doing that a bit more and work out a new way of doing that. But, there, but there, again, there's, there's this freedom for me, and I, I use that word a lot. Because I think that that's 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 one of the things that I I really hope people will find in Evo Faith is is a sense of being able to breathe deep, relax, and go, this is a place where I can actually be who I am. And where if people know what I really believe, then it's not gonna freak them out, even if they disagree.
0: I think perhaps even one step further that that it's not about knowing what you believe, but it is about Authentic living and authentic loving, and and authentic engaging. You know, like in, in in marriage. You know, some people want a lot of variety, and 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 sometimes variety comes in the form of that rediscovery and the deepening of the relationship. That that it's not one relationship that stays the same. Like Esther Perel says, it's very important that you have two to three significant adult romantic relationships in your life, even with the same person you know, that you go through that evolution. It's the same thing in terms of faith. Going back to that old fundamentalist evangelical faith, there isn't room for growth, there isn't room for engagement. It's just, you're signing up to, to, to something as, that is writ, right? And you just, you just accept it. You don't, you don't process it, you don't engage it. But, but, but also, it, it is a faith that is disconnected from, firstly, the experience of God, and secondly, the reality of living life. And, and it's a God that isn't actually involved in life. It's a God that is only met in the context of faith on a Sunday morning. I think there's a lot in that, that, that communities need the room to get away from that and almost to lose their, their faith, to lose their spirituality as part of that rediscovery. That shedding, you know, in the same way that that with postgrad studies, as you as you know from also having done, you know, an honours and masters, the unlearning that's involved in that is probably more valuable than than all the learning put together in any undergrad studies. And 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 the reality is that often, and especially the way religions are structured as a teach to tell model or or a tell to teach model rather, <laughs> it, it's not about processing, it's not about engaging. It's not about living it out or testing it it's It's just about accepting it. I think the richness of offline communities like good old Richard Jacobs and we were talking to him last week. the good thing about online communities like we're talking to you about this week is that that there's actually room for that livedness
1: <laughs>
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah but but I love that and that, you know i mean I think for me the the the, the the great thing about Evo Faith is that I don't know what it's going to look like next year. I don't know what it's going to look like in five years' time. I I don't have a five year plan for it. Because you know, I, I may have started it, but it's it's not my baby in the sense that I have to control it and, and direct it. It's, you know, the whole the whole philosophy behind it is is to allow people to engage more and to and to voice more and to shape it more and for for this thing to be owned by the people who are part of the community and for it to become about them. You know, if I, if I have any dream for Evo faith is it's to look forward to the time where people forget that I'm the facilitator and I'm just one voice among many who are contributing and where 90% of what happens on the tribe is not initiated by me. You know, that, that, that really, for me would be, would be, where we're going. And I, and I know that in online community, that, that, that's kind of obviously the goal and that's, you know, if if we manage to kind of follow certain guidelines around how things evolve and and what you need to be doing to facilitate that kind of growth, hopefully we will get there. But, you know, how we get there and and what what gets contributed and who's part of it and what it looks like, you know, when when we start to move into that sort of space, well, who knows? I I can't wait to find out.
2: I think that's... um... That's probably one of the most significant leading edges in my view at the moment for this question of sort of what comes after, whether you're talking sort of post-institutional religion, post-Christianity, whatever. And specifically, the, you know, the tribe that you're describing, John, is this idea of the self-organization. And, and, I, and I can see the threads of that. In some ways, globally, I think that you know there are places in this world and cultures and spaces, et cetera, that are that are behaving differently. But there's definitely this thread in in call it Western culture that I think is going to be well defined by that, and it is a breaking free, and I like that freedom that you talk about because for me, that is the invitation I think, in deconstruction for people, and you see it quite highlighted when you talk about the baggage people bring in of the asking for permission, et cetera, et cetera, is this invitation to freedom, to join the self-organized world, the self-organized community of spirituality. And I think it's happening in a number of different layers within society. You can see the questions around economics and business and politics and all sorts of different layers and facets of who we are as human beings. And I think, you know, as, as, I, as I think back on what you've shared in terms of the community, and I'm very grateful for your answer in terms of the distinctions that you see, that is one that I would point out chiefly to people who are looking to deconstruct out of institutional religion and into, into an alternative, is to look for those kinds of flags, a space that is not just a different kind of hierarchy, you know, as you've described, that there is just this freedom and this self-organization that invites people into that kind of creativity to build together. Yeah. And I, that, that, that for me, just as I've listened to all that you've said, strikes me as a really important leading edge around where we're going as humanity on this planet.
0: You know, I think, I think these are rich, these are rich conversations. And, you know, I'm, I'm really hoping that with, uh, with all the guests that we are going to have on for season two and the, and the conversations that come out, that these are really just the the opening conversations between us, and that we can share more you know over the years to come and 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 that we can really just uh you know help listeners who are deconstructing listeners who are looking for alternatives to to broaden their the opportunities and broaden their vision of what that can be, to really just invite people to participate I'm hoping that this is going to be the first conversation among many that we're going to have we just really want to create those opportunities for, for, for people. You know, there's, 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 a lot of, there's a lot of good thinking that is taking place amongst people. And I feel like the people that are good thinking are often quite isolated from each other. And, uh, and if we can play some small role in connecting like-minded thinkers who each through their own personal gifting, their own personal calling, their own personal journey and their own work, you know, offer these alternatives, people are more enriched by having the variety of options available you know, than, than inhabited. And so, yeah, I, I think I'm just, I'm just looking forward to, to many conversations, you know, like, like some people will go through the deconstruction on their own and other people really do deconstruction better in community.
2: John, just from my side, um, just quickly, I just wanted to to, to two things to say thank you and then to commend you. And I'll just flesh out the two of those quickly, if I can. Um, You told the story tonight while we were chatting about that experience you had while leading worship. The one week, you know, really soul searching and the next week, um, the social experiment. And I remember that from the first time I met you, you told a a very similar story. Um, And that had a huge impact on me where I was at at that point in terms of my own sort of working through things and and what I realized later was deconstruction. And so I just wanted to say thank you for your time tonight. It's been a fascinating conversation, uh, and I've really appreciated your your willingness to be open and just share willingly. Um, But then also just to commend you in terms of of you know being a I was a far more active participant in the tribe up to a month or so ago, and have also you know I've I've been one of the recipients of that can I do this in the tribe question (laughs) response from John? And, uh, and it's been fantastic. Uh, And I I wanted to commend you in terms of just from a somewhat sort of observer participator perspective, what you are, what you're trying to pull together with Evo faith. And I think specifically that idea of the self organization is, is phenomenal. And I think you do it really, really well. For, for whatever you're drawing on for that strength. I think you carried it off incredibly, incredibly well. And so, yeah, I just wanted to wish you continued sort of well with that. Uh, and thanks for including me in part of that journey.
1: Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've loved having you as part of the journey. I think your input has been really helpful. You've raised some questions that have, Made me kind of rethink some of my ideas and some of what I, what I was thinking I was doing. So that's, that's been helpful. Um, you know, even when people have come back and, and kind of mentioned things that they found unhelpful, you know, for me, if it's going to be self organizing, I can't be averse to criticism. I've got to be able to hear people saying, hey, this isn't working, this is working. Um, and so I've always been helped and I, and I think it takes courage for people to say hey you know I'm not sure about this John or you know particularly if they've come out of that kind of church don't ask questions don't question your leader kind of thinking uh, for, for when people have the courage to say you know what about this what about that uh, I always try to engage as best I can with that and t- to take what they're saying seriously so you know your inputs uh, around the questions you've asked and the input you've given and the participation has been so helpful for me and this conversation has been such fun for me and and you know it's been really stimulating and exciting for me and guys you i feel honored by you and i, re, I really appreciate that so much that you've engaged so deeply and seriously around this thing that is is i mean who knows what it is actually uh, that we're doing um but I, I i value your interest i'm so grateful for it and and for for this opportunity to have this conversation with you so thanks for giving me your time tonight and for inviting me into this
0: conversation I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your time and your participation.